Howdy Partners, and welcome to another episode of the Howdy Partners podcast, where we bring you actionable insights to the role of partnerships and how you can succeed in that role. Today, we are joined with Bart from Chanex. Bart, tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, yeah, my name is uh, Bart van Zandvoort. Uh, I've been in uh, been in partnerships in Channel for a year or five now uh, from from the Netherlands, uh, working at Chanex and actually didn't start in uh, uh, really in Channel. I started in uh, in Custom Success, uh, but then uh, worked my way uh, up to Custom Success in Channel, uh, which is actually pretty nice because then you get to talk with all of the different parties involved, uh, the partners itself, distributors, uh, vendors. Uh, all of the different partners, actually, uh, which is uh, pretty nice to actually get a little bit costumed in uh, in channel. And uh, since a year or two, I think uh, doing uh, doing channel sales now. Uh, so uh, at start, really uh, really building a product, talking with a lot of partners, and uh, seeing where uh, or how we can actually make a product as as good as possible, really partner centric. And I think uh, since a year or two, we we figured that we really accomplished that. So now trying to see how we can make sure to share this with as many partnerships people uh, across the globe. I love it. And what uh, I appreciate about your experience is you come from, um, you know, helping people across the board, you know, multiple accounts in the channel, and then you're getting into selling it. What a lot of companies struggle with is they don't have any subject matter expertise because, you know, they're selling, you know, a healthcare software but they're you know a tech salesperson and so there's this disconnect of you know context and expertise for that and so i like that you've already worked with multiple accounts you're already immersed in this space and then you're stepping into the the sales position so um i think that is very good and i think you're going to be in a good position to develop that trust as you're going through the the sales process so my first question for you is because you're in this unique position and you are also sell to partner and channel folks, what are some of the common pain points that you hear about from these partner managers or ch- channel managers? What is the the you know top of mind challenge that people are facing? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's an, an uh, I think that's an interesting one. Uh, it all depends, I think, on the the majority of uh, of a vendor and also the majority of its channel, right? So. Uh, for us at Genex, uh, at we actually distinguish them in, uh, I think, two separate uh, tiers. One is the the channel teams that are actually just starting up the channel. So maybe they don't even have a partner program yet. They're trying to figure out uh, how to actually start a program, how to start a channel, uh, because everyone sees that working with partners is a great way to uh, to to scale. And a lot of times they're venture backed, right? So I think the 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 biggest pain point or the biggest challenge there is. How can I set something, set a real good foundation, uh, but still make sure that I can scale really fast? So I can uh, set something up, but at the same time grow really fast, which is extremely difficult. And then you have the the more mature vendors. So, so the vendors that have been there for for a while, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, they already have a channel. They have hundreds or thousands of partners. And I think the the biggest challenge there is how can I make sure that I activate all of these partners, that I really engage with all of these partners? Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if you guys are, uh, probably you are, you're familiar with the, the 80-20 rule of Carl Coleman, uh, where he automates uh, his outreach to uh, 80% of his prospects and uh, 20% is the, the what he calls above the line. 
uh, where you actually personalize. I think in general we have more or less the same. Uh, so you have the 80-20 rule as well. Uh, 20% of your revenue comes from 80% of your partners and 80% comes from the 20% focus partners. And uh, I think the biggest challenge there is we all know that 20% uh, we have the, the managed the managed uh, channel team that actually makes sure that there's a lot of one-on-one contact. Uh, there are tailor-made campaigns. Uh, everything is done to make sure that these partners are happy and that these partners are as active as possible. But how do we set up a system uh, that's, uh, that actually makes sure that uh, you get the most value to and the most value from all of your partners, so also from the 80%? I think that's done through software, but that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, and it's always one that you, you hear and it's kind of synonymous with channel programs, which is that that 80-20 piece. And it kind of, fr- I don't know how to describe it, it kind of frustrates me a little bit to hear it, Greg, because candidly, like, in my opinion, when you recruit a partner, there should be a thought in the back of your mind that they are going to be a revenue-producing partner, right? Like, you shouldn't go into a relationship thinking, oh, you know, who cares? Like, they'll just join this long list and we'll kind of figure it out. What do you think, Bart, are the, the key reasons that 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 eighty twenty rule exists? Is it like poor partner recruitment? Is it poor partner management? Like, are there any kind of core factors there that you look to as to why that eighty twenty rule is so synonymous with kind of channel partner programs? Yeah. So, um, first of all, I completely uh, share this frustration with you, uh, basically because since I really come from talking with a lot of partners, I think I've had thousands of chats with uh, with with different partners uh, small to big so i completely agree where you're coming from um i think it's uh, it's 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 a combination of the the things that you just uh, you just said so it's it's not really poor part of recruitment it's maybe just uh, uh making sure you basically saying it's all open so everyone can join uh, we're not really looking what kind of partners and after all you see that if you didn't really segment and really did your research of what is what is my ideal partner profile? What is my IPP? Then you see that some partners are not maybe the right fit, so they churn. Uh, maybe they're not right trained in the right way, so they churn. And uh, I think the, the 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 biggest problem that I see is that vendors spend too much time on partner recruitment and uh, little time on the steps that are f- following after partner recruitment. So you have partner recruitment uh, before you should have the the, the right research, right? And then you have training, then you have co-marketing, then you have co-selling, and you have to make sure that you go as fast as possible to what we call self-sustainable partner revenue. And partners churn along every step because vendors tend to focus too much on partner recruitment and too little, I think, on actually managing the relationships. Yeah, that's interesting. And um, I've seen programs and dove deep into programs that are they over-indexed on that recruitment and then they were like, oh no, we got, you know, 140 partners and nobody is taking action except for, you know, these 10. So it wasn't even like a 20% thing. Um, and then that's when they go, oh yeah, we actually need to properly enable them and not just get them into this funnel. And so I, I'm wondering, what are our thoughts on this idea of, oh, we just need volume to get us revenue. Do we think that a lot of these programs focus too much on we are going to use this as you know a purely revenue driving function versus let's say if we're getting partners more involved and you know maybe it's a 70 30 split but we're getting you know higher retention rates or 
more adoption of integrations? Do we think it's maybe an overemphasis traditionally on, I just need this revenue, so I'm going to go volume and you know that's what we know? Because I feel like that's a bit of a traditional mindset that a lot of um, programs may be stuck in. So it's a really good point. And I kind of want to separate it out into two buckets. I think we always talk about kind of on this podcast in general, and then general partnerships is all about how you communicate value, right? And so um, I was listening to, I'm trying to think, it might have been a workspan webinar thing the other day where they were talking about um, how value for EY in their partnership program is not just revenue value now, but they view um they view value as like the data that you get from partners, like the additional market exposure. And so they've actually quantified the value they get from partners away from just pure revenue, actually into this formula, which now looks at like, oh, we're getting like additional data about a customer set, which we can use to develop a new product. So they started to think about things really intelligently. And to your point, I, well, I think it's, it's spot on. Like you, until we get to a stage in partnership where you can quantify, right? Like because of integrations, our customers are it's more likely to stay. And you start to build up that bank of data. Unfortunately, when you first start a program, especially in when you've got a CRO and a CEO that doesn't necessarily understand partnerships, revenue is going to be the only driving metric. Um, but I would agree with you in the way that like, until we start thinking more broadly and we start to quantify value outside of revenue, that's kind of always going to exist. That's, I guess that's my kind of opinion and, and thought on that. I think it's also because a lot of vendors, they create this partner program uh, which is really vendor-centric, right? Uh, it's not partner-centric. They really think, okay, how can I maximize value uh, from my channel instead of thinking, how can I ma maximize value for my partners and make sure that they grow uh, as efficiently as possible? Because what we always say is partner success is your success, right? If all your partners are really successful, you get to be successful as well. So if you put a lot of focus and effort into making sure that uh, uh, well, let's say the gross part of your channel is successful, you will see the results as well. But uh, yeah, I think you're right, Ben. Traditionally seen, uh, the focus is always going to be on the, 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 the biggest success and uh, fast revenue. And unfortunately, uh, probably that's not something that's uh, going to go uh, go away for, uh, for a short while. And uh, we know that you're vocal and uh, the 10X team is vocal about uh, PRMs and how you think they are you know, maybe obsolete. Um, and uh, we even did, you know, the death of portals with the partner hacker team last year. And so tell us more about that. Do you think that plays into a, into that entire, you know, vendor centric focus and like the incentives and just the way that enablement and communication is done? What are your thoughts around that where, you know, maybe there was this overemphasis on, oh, this traditional channel world, you know, Microsoft, they could get people to sell for them. So it's, you know, more vendor focused where it's focused on Microsoft, but um, that may have bred different uh, technologies and different mindsets that uh, have led us to this 80-20. But what are your thoughts and, you know, how technology that's available today might play a role in that, you know, overemphasis on the vendor uh, vendor centric side of things? Yeah, so I think this 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 ties up really nicely on what we just discussed, uh, the fact that it's also vendor-centric. And the fact that, let me just talk for myself and not for the company, but the fact that uh, I have such a strong opinion on portals is that most of these portals are really built uh, on how can we make sure that the, 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 the things that the vendor wants uh, gets done, right? It's not, about, it's not really about the partners. Uh, and now you got to think, the, this partner doesn't have one portal 
partner has five or they have 10 or they have 20 different portals or the, the bigger ones even have 50 plus. And uh, if we look at the basis of the portal, the portal is designed because a vendor thinks, hey, I want my partners to participate in my marketing and sales activities. I want them to do the deal registration in my portal. Uh, they can request MDF there, uh, market development funds. But if a partner has to do this in 20 different portals, it doesn't matter how good or quality your content is, your campaigns are, your new product introduction is going to be. Uh, if your partners don't use this, it's, it's a waste of time and, and it's a waste of money. And uh, basically, this is the reason that I'm so vocal about, uh, about portals. I don't really see the use nowadays anymore because the data is just clear. Apart from deal registration, because it's mandatory, partners don't use portals. So why do we keep investing time and money in portals? I don't know. You've got to get in the shoes of your partner's sales team and realize that actually they've got a job to do, which is selling their own product. And then obviously you're kind of a secondary or you know tertiary kind of um, value add to them. And so making them context switch, which is you're not delivering this information inside the tools that they use on a day-to-day basis, Slack, even email, right? To some extent, you're actually making them go to a separate, separate URL, separate poll, separate login. Like all these things are just barriers to adoption because you're making them do all these separate activities to actually get to a stage of, hey, like registering a deal. And so for me, that's always been, in my opinion, the biggest blocker for, you know, the traditional PRM solutions, because um, until you put it in their workflow and make it very easy for them to get in and, and access these resources, I kind of feel like there's just so many barriers in front of sales reps, plus the fact that it's not their priority. There's just all these factors that are kind of really speaking to low adoption, in my opinion. So that that's kind of my overarching opinion, I guess, on, on PRMs as they stand today. I like it. So um, what is unique about the technology that's out there today, you know, whether it's Chan X or whether it's this like shift in maybe mindset or this evolution to focus uh, perhaps less on the vendor and more on, you know, partner engagement. What are some of those like key focuses that make these other offerings or these new offerings uh, unique in what they're solving for? Yeah, so I love I love new tooling and uh, mechanisms out there that that really focus on the partner that that really have given it some thought and uh, are really thinking how can I make sure that these partners can can use this uh, as uh, as well as possible. Uh, so, for instance, Ben, you you just made a really good point there. Partners need to go to all of these different places uh, where they usually do not come, uh, while partners just want to focus on uh, what's most important, right, for them and for their vendor. And that's closing deals uh, and just doing business. Uh, so what I think is is really special about uh, tools that you see coming more and more are really the marketplace uh, tools. So the tools that give partners one central place just to log in, uh, to do all of the different activities that they have to do. For instance, you have a lot of new tools out there that actually make sure that as a partner, you uh, can reach new vendors. As a vendor, you can reach all these kinds of different new partners, go into partnerships, uh, really new tools that, facilitate these, uh, these 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 new kind of partnerships and deals. Uh, and we are going to a place close to my heart, uh, talking about uh, ChenX. I think the, the thing that's so special about the ChenX platform is that it's also just one central place for partners to do all of their vendor-related activities. So deal registration for all of their vendors. Uh, they can request MDF for all of their vendors. All of the uh, marketing and sales activities are in one place and can even be automated uh, which as a result actually shows that uh, we have 93% uh, 
on campaign participation with around 10 to 15 percent uh, as a as a benchmark standard for PRM systems. So really giving partners uh, a way of really making their lives easier, so to say. Uh, so give them software uh, to automate and 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 make easier all of the let's say the administrative tasks, so they can focus on what they really want to focus on, and that's just doing business and talking with their end customers. I've kind of followed ChatMax and the platform that that you guys are building, and I think um, one of the cool things that I'd love for you to kind of speak on a little bit but is the fact that you can launch partner marketing campaigns from inside the platform and tie that to social as well. So I think like one of the other pieces that I love about the Channel X platform is we're not just thinking about tired partner marketing campaigns, which is like emails or, or webinars necessarily, but you're also bringing in that social aspect, which as me and Will are a big advocates of like the whole social sell and, you know, thought leadership piece, which um, which you kind of incorporated. Could you kind of talk about that and why you think like the social piece is, is so impactful for, for the platform? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think where we started out was uh, actually making sure that uh, we have a way uh, for vendors uh, to automatically cascade their marketing campaigns through all of the channels uh, of their partners. Uh, so I think traditionally uh, email campaigns was a big thing, blasting emails to all of your partners and their end customers. Uh, we started out just by uh, placing uh, widgets on the websites of all partners. So when you actually come up with a new campaign or product introduction, you can launch it on the launch day to 500 different partners without them actually having to go to your portal. Uh, but what we saw was that partners actually wanted something more and also ways to activate uh, their uh, their end customers in their, their own channels that they're using. Uh, so I'm also a big fan of, of, of dark social and uh, that's why we decided to also add social media in this in this whole system, in this whole process. Uh, so uh, what we basically do is uh, we make API connections with all of the uh, social media channels of all different partners. Uh, so let's say the, all of the, the business platforms, so the company pages of all partners, but especially the individual uh, uh, individual uh, uh, portals or uh, platforms of the sales teams. So we can make sure that if you connect a partner to you as a vendor, their entire sales team is also connected. Did we talk about it last week? I think we talked about it last week. Well, like the the value of two partner marketing, doing like a scalable newsletter that you send out to a partner sales team. But one of the biggest difficulties of that is actually getting that contact information from your partner manager a lot of times. Like sometimes it's a weird conversation to have to say, hey, can you give us all 100 sales rep? But it sounds like you've kind of figured that out by using LinkedIn and then cascading it via social platforms which is actually kind of a cool way because again actually i pay more attention to my linkedin messaging than i do my email sometimes because i just get so much in crap my email everybody at chanx has really lent into linkedin just broadly as a company and so i see you posting a lot rick alex like the whole of your team and so i guess that would be an initial or, or kind of final point to talk about is why have you kind of gone all in on linkedin from a from a kind of sales tactic perspective, because again, you're sending to partner managers, there must be a link there. Like, is it because there's so many partner folks on LinkedIn and that's your target audience? Maybe kind of give us some insight there as to why you've gone all in on, on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, I think it, it started out when we just saw the entire team of, for instance, Sales Loft or Gong posting uh, just a ton of different posts on LinkedIn. And it didn't matter where you ended up, you saw them everywhere. Uh, and that's when we sat down with the team and had a chat and thought, like, isn't this something that we have to do as well? So we started talking to different, let's say, sales or social leaders out there on on LinkedIn. 
uh, really got to know the, the dark social and just uh, figured to ourselves, you know, let's just try this ourselves as well and start posting, uh, trying to really educate uh, the market. Well, the funny thing and the good thing for us is uh, partnerships people are very much uh, uh, aware of LinkedIn and they're very much present on LinkedIn. So this was a very good thing for us. Uh, and since we started doing that, even though we're not even that big yet, in my eyes and in my opinion, uh, in every conversation that I have, I hear everyone saying, hey, uh, I've seen you guys on LinkedIn already. I've seen your post. Uh, so I already know where you guys are coming from. Uh, and, and my point here being is wherever you are and, and, and how small you still are, it doesn't really matter. Start posting on LinkedIn uh, because this is also how I met both of you guys. Uh, this is how I met so many other people. And content creation is just so good for your network. It's good for your business. Uh, it's 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 good for everything. So uh, that's why we started, and we're really uh, yeah reaping results right now. I love that, and um, the sentiment that I I really like from that before I you know rant, uh, which I won't because I love this topic. But it's like you show up, and then people know who you are, and there's this certain level of trust and familiarity, and so that warms up the conversation so quickly. And so whether in sales or partnerships, like. If you're trying to open doors, this is a really good way to to do it, especially if you're targeting, you know, your activity towards your either, you know, buying persona or, you know, partners that could then introduce you to their clients as well. So I love it. Uh, so we always leave a tactical tip for our audience. So in the next two minutes or so, um, what is, let's say I'm a, a partner manager and I'm either in a small org or a big org. And I'm coming to you and I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm hitting the 80-20 wall, wall. What should I do? What's your tactical takeaway for our audience to maybe make it 79-21 uh, and get partners a bit more engaged? <laughs> yeah, flat, it's time to flatten the, the, the parental curve. So uh, let's, let's make it 60-40 if, uh, if you really want to wanna make a change. Uh, well, what I think is what a lot of, uh, I think, especially in, uh, let's let's keep it at the bigger companies, what a lot of the channel teams do is they look at the 20% and sometimes they neglect the 80%, right? Uh, so look at different systems. And, and now I'm not going to be saying that ChenX is the only one, but look at different systems and where you can actually create a foundation for all partners uh, to maximize the value that they actually get out of working together with you. So what I would say is, Automate your 80%, uh, automate certain activities for the 80%, marketing activities, sales activities, so that you actually enable your partners to grow and maybe find a spot somewhere in the 20%, so the 20% go to 25 to 30, maybe even to 35 eventually, and just give all partners a chance because you didn't go into the partnerships for nothing. I love it. Build or implement those systems to engage the 80%. Automation is not a bad thing, so if it engages them and you get you know 5%, additionally activated that's probably well worth it and of course getting closer to that 60 40 that uh, we definitely want to see thanks everyone cheers thank you very much